It's time for Around the Ozark Sports Scene, brought to you by Fast Break Sports, the largest selection of cards and card supplies in southwest Missouri. Now here's your host, Scott Perrier. Welcome in to another edition of Around the Ozark Sports Scene. I am Scott Purrier. As always, thank you for uh, tuning in. Today we're going to talk uh, high school sports state tournament time for basketball and wrestling. Wrestling this week, basketball underway with districts this week and and next for the big schools, uh, swimming in the books. And uh, no better source for that than Chris Parker, the uh, head honcho of the Ozark Sports Zone. So we'll talk with uh, Mr. Parker about what to watch as the uh, high school winter sports scene uh, starts to wind up there. But as always, we uh, start out with our look ahead at the Ozark sports scene and what's coming up. And uh, a lot of hoops to talk about there. We'll start with a big one for the Missouri State Lady Bears coming up on Thursday night. They travel to Des Moines to take on Drake. Lady Bears are 17-6 and overall. They're 11-3 and in the Valley. Drake is 20-5 and and 13-1 and atop the Valley standing. So big showdown there for the uh, Missouri State Lady Bears of Beth Cunningham. Uh, been on a roll and, and want to keep going that, that direction as well. Uh, speaking of teams on a roll, the Drury Lady Panthers, uh, first-year coach Casey Bailey, they've been red hot. They've won 12 in a row. They're 20-4 and overall, 15-3 and in the Great Lakes Valley Conference. They're coming down the stretch of their season. They're at Missouri S&T in Rolla on Thursday. Continue on up the road, I-44, to Maryville and St. Louis for uh, GOEC games on Saturday. Four games left for the Lady Panthers. Uh, Coach Bailey's done a really nice job of, of really kind of starting over with that uh, roster and, and getting them playing their best basketball at the right time. Bears basketball, uh, Coach Dana Ford's team is home uh, this uh, as well will be at press time for this basically Wednesday night when Bradley comes in. It's a big game for the Bears as they continue to try to stay out of the <clears throat> play-in round at the Missouri Valley uh, Conference Arch Madness in St. Louis here in a couple weeks. Bears are 16-12 and 12 overall, 7-9 and nine in the Valley. Uh, Bradley ahead of them in the standings. Uh, Bradley team that's beaten them uh, three times in a row. Uh, Bradley's 18-9 and nine overall, 10-6 and six in the Valley. So a big one for the Bears uh, at home to try to defend their home court. And they will go on the road Saturday to play at Belmont in another Valley contest. Lastly, going to be a, a very fun but sad day over at Evangel University on Saturday. They're calling it their last dance. It is uh, their time to say goodbye to the Ashcroft Center, which has been their home since 1967 for men's and women's basketball and volleyball all these years. A great place to play. Kind of brings back memories of when uh, Missouri State, uh, then SMS, moved from Hammond Student Center over into the Q, JQH Arena, which is now the Great Southern Bank Arena. When Drury uh, closed the doors on Wiser Gym uh, as their uh, regular home to go over and open uh, the O'Reilly Family Event Center, same thing with Evangel now. They're uh, going to play their last games this Saturday. Uh, Oklahoma Wesleyan comes in for a 1 o'clock women's game, a 3 o'clock men's game uh, at the Ashcroft Center. should be a very festive uh, environment there. I know the, the one of the things I'm looking forward to is Evangel is going to honor longtime coach uh, Steve Jenkins, their former coach, with a lifetime achievement award at halftime of the men's game and maybe some other uh, announcements with that as well. But uh, don't find many people better than Steve Jenkins and his family, and, and well-deserved to see Jinx uh, get honored in, in such a fashion on, on a very historic day for Evangel University basketball. 
It's that time of year when winter uh, high school sports are wrapping up. Everybody's playing something, whether it's basketball, wrestling, swimming, which just wrapped up last week. But whenever we need information, we turn to Chris Parker of the Ozark Sports Zone or the Ozone. Mr. Parker, thanks for joining us this morning. Oh, appreciate you having me. It's a crazy, hectic time of year with everybody kind of wrapping up their seasons. You know, there was a an album way back when. You're too young to remember this, but a guy named a guy named Neil Young and Crazy Horse had a song called "Rust Never Sleeps." Actually, it was the name of an album, not a song. And I don't think Parker. I think Parker never sleeps um, from August to May. So I, hopefully, you catch up a little bit in June and July. Do you get or is that preview time for for fall sports? Oh, I take uh, I take June and July pretty easy. I'll tell you what, July, it's Fourth of July week. You won't find me doing any kind of work. That's my holiday right there. I love that holiday. There's dead week. It's perfect. It's when I get, you know bank all my sleep for the year. Well, good good for you. And and uh, you know I kind of want to be your Scott Boris. If you need an agent to negotiate your next uh, KY three ozone contract, let me know and I'll come in. You and I and Brian will sit down. Okay. All right, got you. Okay. Well, you know, again, uh, brought you on in the fall to, to get a recap because nobody knows more about what's going on with the Ozarks uh, high school sports scene than than Chris Parker, the uh, editor, chief, whatever you want to call him at the Ozone. But uh, mentioned in the, in the intro there, swimming wrapped up last week. Uh, we've got wrestling to talk about this week with the state championships and in basketball, small school districts underway this week, big schools finishing their regular season, and they start the districts next week. So kind of starting with swimming and, and putting a, a bow on it to, to wrap up the year. Um, look through the results. Wasn't probably our best effort at state with swimming uh, top to bottom. Would you agree? Yeah, you know, and I heard uh, I heard Steve Boyce, the head coach at Glendale, and a couple other schools talk about how the swimming numbers haven't quite rebounded from covid um, you know, a lot of people came, a lot of swimmers came, came a little disconnected from the sport for that time when they couldn't get in the pool and train. And so I think you're seeing some of that, but hopefully the numbers do come back. I mean, Paige Sheridan for West Plains, um, she, she was our top area swimmer this winter, and she placed second in the 500 free, got on the third place medal, and swam on a few relays. Uh, but she was really the headliner. Um, she was the only one to finish in the top two for the area in class uh, one or two. Uh, so hopefully we see in the years coming that swimming starts to rebound back to where we were when uh, Glendale was winning state titles on the girls' side, and we had uh, a couple D1 swimmers. I think we had a Florida State swimmer from Glendale uh, not in, in the recent past. So uh, th- that's what we're looking for is hopefully those numbers start to rebound back. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, the Kate over at Tennessee now, you know, uh, the swimmer over there, was she a junior now, I think? Mm-hmm. That yeah, that that was such a. Yeah, I just blanked out on the last name. They're good friends of ours too, you know. But uh, but you know they McCarvel, Kate McCarvel. <laughs> See, this is what happens, Parker. When you get old, you forget names, and and if that ever happens to you, you're done because you have to remember a lot more than I do. But you know, Kate McCarvel's doing great things, I think, with Tennessee. But it looks like we're kind of waiting for that next uh, Bailey Nunn or, or area type to go on and and be a, just a star. But uh, uh, Reese Moore, Glendale, probably the only city uh, girl that, that really had a good state, you think, finishing, what, fourth and fifth in a couple events? Yeah, she did well. And then uh, up in up in Class 2, uh, we only had the one, the one uh, Addie Moore from Kickapoo. She was the only one who placed in the uh, top, you know, made it to the final heat. And she had a couple, uh, six places, I believe. Uh, and she did a so that that was another one that really well went, did really well because Kickapoo or a class two is 
you know, kind of like with any sport, the bigger the class, the tougher it is. And so you're competing with a lot of the St. Louis and Kansas City girls. So her performance up there was really, really good. Absolutely. And, and you know, the thing that I, you know, and again, because it's not a sport I check in on a lot, if you'd asked me, I couldn't have told you that Lebanon and West Plains had swimming programs. Is that a, is that a recently new thing for both, or they've been around for a while? They've been around for a while, but West Plains really kind of broke. They're, they're a program that's on the rise. They really kind of broke through this year, and they won the South. Like this, they had the Southwest Missouri Swim and Dive Championships, which I love. I wish every sport would do it, um, where they get together at the end of the year, and every team in Southwest Missouri is there, and you get you line out exactly who the best is in every event and everything. And West Plains actually won the team title, so they've been around. They've just had smaller numbers, but they're they're an ascendant program, as you can see with. Sheridan hopping up there and taking second and third and being strong on the relays for them and the that, that Southwest Missouri swim and dive really kind of shows you what what's what and I, I you know I wish like wrestling would do something similar where you just bring all the wrestling programs in one place and we kind of settle on the map who the best who the best pound for pound wrestler is and it'd be great for ozone photos too wouldn't it <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> um, that just makes sense with West Plains because all those years of Joe Bill Dixon and track making them run two hundred miles a a day on the country roads when it's too cold they just say get in the pool and swim at 200 laps right so it's a good oh, fit that, that cross cross training is key it takes the stress uh, the stress off your legs and uh, you can still keep that cardiovascular and uh so it's it's not a surprise there that they uh, have people with uh, the ability to swim oh uh, you're, you're headed for a long four days of wrestling uh, up in columbia uh, starts uh, tomorrow on Wednesday, Wednesday through Saturday. I always want to say tomorrow, forgetting that we're taping this a couple of days early before it comes out. But uh, um, when I think of wrestling, again, I like everybody now, I rely heavily on you and what the Ozone puts out on who the best ones are. But I always kind of tend to look for, you know, a, a Monette, a Neosho, a Nixa, an Ozark. Is it kind of the same ca- Lebanon? Is it the same cast of characters now that – Team-wise, uh, and who are some of the individuals uh, after you finish that up? Yeah, it's it's a lot of the same. Neosho has moved up to Class 4, which, again, anytime I mentioned with swimming there, anytime you move up to that class, you're dealing with, like, CBC, Liberty North, like, nationally ranked programs. So it's a lot tougher to compete as a team at that level. Uh, Willard actually won the Class 4 district that had Nixa, Neosho, Ozark, uh, and so they, they had a lot of good depth, but only a couple champions, couple three champions, so it'll be a little bit harder for them to repeat the performance at state. Carl Junction, um, they've really, really, really uh, rebuilt their program from the ground up. They hired a, a new coach, Mike Frizzell, uh, a couple years back, and they won their first district title in 25 years last year. And then this past week, they uh, went out and won the Class 3 district title with 188 points by 40 points. So a really, really impressive performance from them. Uh, Seneca it was a long-time Class yeah. 1 program. They're now Class 2, um, and they're kind of the standard bearer in that class. In Class 1, we don't really have a lot of depth in that class, though, interesting, Max Creek has a legit title contender in their first year of having a wrestling program. He's a senior who wrestled on the national stage, but had never, that I can find, had wrestled for his high school. And so that's an interesting one, at least in the Class 1 level. Uh, individually, and on the girls' side, Nixa is the favorite in Class 2. They are a nationally ranked program. They were dominant, dominant over uh, the uh, Lebanon in the uh, district with 272 points and 210 for Lebanon, which Lebanon obviously has won, I think, all but one uh, available team title. Um, and then in Class 1, you've got a... You know, more of a, a mix of the of girls with uh, Seneca, again, very strong. Castle's got some good wrestlers. Uh, individually, 
um, starting at the top there uh, with with the girls. You've got Nixa, who has just an incredible amount of depth in nationally ranked wrestlers like uh, Brynja Crahan, who is 45 and 0 this year. Kelsey Watts, 37 and 2. Um, they basically got an entire roster of girls who have won at least 30 matches. Um, so that depth and top end talent makes them a huge, huge favorite uh, come this weekend. Uh, you know, class one, we have a few, uh, undefe- a couple undefeated girls. Um, and uh, Isabella Renfro, who's 43 and 0 for Seneca. Uh, Faith James from Cassville uh, is, is really, really good at 43 and 2. We did an athlete of the week in the class two on uh, Ab- Abigail Fugel thing. Uh, she, she's interesting because she wrestled, mo- most girls will tie their hair back when they wrestle, but she just lets it fly and she calls it her lion's mane. Um, <laughs> and she's undefeated, she's undefeated this year. Uh, she's been a finalist in each of the last two years. Uh, and, and so we're looking for big things out of her. Uh, over on the boys' side, uh, honestly, our probably our, some of our pound for pound best wrestlers are McDonald County's Jace Hitt and Samuel Murphy. Uh, at 215 and 285. And the way, the way state wrestling was last year, at least, this is the first year, last year is the first year they did, uh, they separated the classes. They do the class one girls on Wednesday, Thursday with the class one and two boys. And then Friday, Saturday is class two girls and class three and four boys. Where you used to wrestle one weight class at a time, they wrestle two at a time. So last year, Samuel Murphy and Jace Hitt, who are training partners, are wrestling their biggest matches of their lives on adjacent mats. So they're, they're, you got the McDonald County faithful having to watch two mats and cheer for two mats. You've got the coaches having to coach at two mats. And you've got these two guys who've grown up together and trained together, both juniors last year and seniors this year, like keeping an eye out, like, how's my buddy doing? How's my training partner doing? And they both ended up winning titles. And uh, they both went out to California, wrestled some big matches, uh, really, really liked their chances. Uh, Branson. Uh, Kaishan Isringhausen was a really good wrestler for them. His brother Ryzen is a freshman this year and is sitting at 43 and one at 106. Uh, so you gotta like him. And then Carl Junction has just a really good depth of people led by Carter Fogelsong and Sam Melton at a uh, 113 and 120. Up at class four, um, Malachi Ryder, uh, one he for Nixa. He's won state titles in Kentucky. Now he's trying to do it in the biggest class in Missouri. Uh, and he is, he's one of the favorites to, to get that done with a with a one loss record on the year, uh, Willard's uh, he's uh, not my bad twenty nine and two. Gary Walker from Willard sitting at one sixty five. He was always been a contender um, down in class three, but this year they're up at class four. So it'll be interesting to see how he competes at that level with a twenty two and two overall record. And uh, obviously he's a really great running back for uh, Willard's football team. And he's got some teammates like Brady Griffin up at two eighty five with a forty one and three record. And then our athlete of the week this this week. Uh, down all the way at a down all the way at class two is a Simon Hartline. Uh, he has won state before. Uh, he's been to the final as a freshman, finished runner up, one state as a sophomore, was fourth last year. So he's trying to cap off his career by getting to the top of the podium. And then Seneca just has an incredible amount of depth with uh, several 40, 40 win guys that, uh, really could go out there and win titles, led by Andrew Manley, who is 44 and 0 this year at 144. So that's kind of the lay of the land. I'm sure there's somebody I've forgotten to mention or overlooked, but there's just so many high quality wrestlers across the six classes and 14 weight classes. Uh, per class. Well, it's amazing you know that many. But uh, a couple stories. You know, first of all, the McDonald County thing is no surprise because as a graduate of there, we are born and raised to wrestle bear and deer and, and steers and 
and everything else. So wrestling other people, it's just old hat for them by the time they're in high school. <laughs> um, uh, fun story, my, my daughter at Nix uh, wrestled in seventh grade, and uh, Brenda Crahan was an eighth grader. And so what she's doing now is no surprise because when she would face her either in practice or even if they had to uh, square off in the, in the same meet, it was like a spider waiting to decide when it was going to eat the butterfly in the uh, in the web. You know, it was kind of she'd circle, she'd mess around, and then she's okay. I'm tired of this, and there was a pen coming. So, um, am I correct? Did she finish second as a freshman, and that was her only loss, or or what, what? Uh, I believe so. I would have to I have to double check on that, but I, that that sounds about right. And yeah, she is. She's everything you described there. It's when you get those elite elite wrestlers uh, outside of a couple of matches a year, they just kind of, you know, it's what do they want to do? Are they going for a school takedown record? Are they going for a school near fall? It's like they, they try to challenge themselves. And a lot of times, you know, they want to prepare for that state championship match where they're wrestling someone of their caliber. So they'll take a little bit longer. So they get used to what that full six minutes on a mat feels like, or at least four minutes. But, uh, Brynja, I believe when we did the athlete of the week on her, she hadn't wrestled a, into the third period yet. <laughs> the and we she were like halfway through the season so wow she is a she she she's an incredible incredible athlete well uh after the Brenya Crahan experience, my daughter decided cheerleading was a better option. So I think she's probably chased a few off the mat uh, <laughs> in, in that time, too. But uh, let's switch gears to basketball. And, of course, a uh, really busy time right now. Every time you see a loss in the small schools, they're done. Um, and, of course, that starts up for the uh, Class 4, 5, and 6 next week. Uh, let's start with the 1, 2s, and 3s. Um, you know, a lot of representation, obviously, uh, every year and, and in those classes in the state uh, rankings by the Missouri Basketball Coaches Association. What are the more interesting district matchups uh, for you in the small schools this week as potential well, finals? Yeah, the, the big the big one that I'm honestly looking at is out in Sparta, the Class 3 boys. So you got Fairgrove with the one seed, a deserving one seed. But in the semifinal, as long as seeds hold, you're going to have Sparta-Greenwood. And that's a rematch from the blue and gold in which uh, Sparta came back late and Jacob Lafferty slammed the ball home for an exclamation point to win the game. And that's the difference between a two and a three seed. And that's going to be an incredible semifinal matchup on Sparta's home court. Um, so that's a high, high level uh, district overall. One, what night is three. that? Uh, that will be Thursday. Thursday so night, okay. The way, they, the way they do it now is uh, boys or for the small classes at least, for any class that has a sectional, I should say, one through four. Monday, Wednesday, Friday are the girls' quarters, semis, championship, and then the other three days are the boys, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Okay. So when they when they decided to separate the tournaments, they wanted to make sure a boys and a girls team weren't playing from the same school, weren't playing for a title at two different locations on the same night. Um, so that that's how it'll be. So Thursday, out at Sparta, Sparta-Greenwood, and then Saturday you're going to have that incredible, incredible uh, champion or district championship game. Uh, another small, small class one that I'm very, very intrigued by is actually out in Bradleyville. Uh, Chadwick and Niangua played a played an instant classic earlier this year. They're Mark Twain Conference rivals. Um, they've been ranked in the top seven to five of the class one state rankings all year, and they got the two and the three seed in their district to eminence. Which I mean, looking at the records uh, again, I wasn't in the seating meeting, but looking at the records and the rankings, you're wondering how that landed, but it did. And so that's going to be a rematch in a semifinal 
uh, between two towns that have really uh, kind of become rivals at the at the small school level, and I would imagine uh, Bradleyville's gym is going to be pretty packed overall uh, on the boys' side there. And then we switch over to the girls' side, and uh, again, uh, the same district as the boys there for the Class 3, that girls' district with Fairgrove and uh, Strafford. I, how many times have we seen on the volleyball court, the basketball court, these teams meet for district championships and one knock the other off, or... I remember two years ago, Fairgrove Volleyball had one loss, and it was to Stratford in the regular season in coming into the district tournament, and then Stratford got them again in the uh, district championship game. And uh, it's always a classic rivalry uh, when those two when those two teams square off. And uh, I'm really interested to see one thing that did happen this year with the rankings or with the class the seedings is a Skyline girls who have always been in that mix with. Uh, they, they were in that Class 2 mix with Crane for a long time when Crane was good uh, on their run. And then they moved up to Class 3 and ran into Haley Frank and Kaylee Frank a lot. Um, now they're back down into Class 2, so they're avoiding the Spare Grove dynasty that's currently going on. So they've got a really good shot uh, at making a run in Class 2. They've been ranked number one most of the year. They've beaten the number two team Tipton head-to-head already. Um, they also are in District 13, so they have a clear path outside of Southwest Missouri uh, to the uh, Final Four, so we could have two girls teams in Class 2 uh, make it to the Final Four, as, long as, as well as Eldorado Springs in Class 3. They go away from, they go up towards Kansas City, they go away from Fairgrove, so we could potentially have a Fairgrove-Eldo rematch um, in the Final Four this year. Yeah, and that was a lot of fun, and, and should be noted that basketball is back in Columbia this year, correct, at the Mizzou Arena? It is, and it's worth noting that the, the schedule is not what it was down here. Okay. Um, they now pl- they're playing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So on Wednesday you will have three classes worth of semifinals, and then the next day you'll have those same three classes play their place games, and then on Friday you'll have three classes of semifinals, and the next day they'll play their place games. So it is a different setup. They're playing one gym. Every every game is in Missoula Arena. Let me ask you this, and not to stir up uh, the pot on this thing, but you know it's a, it's a pretty good bidding war between Springfield and Columbia for hosting those things because it's a lot of money coming into the economy. Uh, whoever wins it, and and with that schedule move now, is that designed to pump more money into the restaurants and the hotels up there by spreading spacing it out more? You think in Columbia? Uh, my my personal opinion. I haven't talked to anybody on this. I can't. So this is just me speaking. I don't think Hearns was fit to host basketball anymore. Because um, okay. it, it's now been painted as a full volleyball court. Mm-hmm. So the, la- the last year they were there, I, I specifically remember, since it's a full volleyball court, it's not like over at Hammonds where it's a volleyball basketball court, Hammond Student Center. You have to, they, have, they, go, they went in the last time it was there, and they taped the lines down with white tape. And so if you can envision a volleyball court, at the end of the volleyball court, they went to solid black line. And that solid black line was about, oh, five feet away from the white line. And I think I saw, I saw at least one, I can't speak to any more, but one kid just not even glancing down, taking the ball under the basket, and they stepped up to the black line, not the white line, inbounding from inbound turnover. Um, and so it's just not conducive to basketball with none of the lines. You have to tape them down. There's confusing lines. That's my personal opinion, um, at least from the last time I was in there for a basketball game. But it doesn't hurt their economy either, That or space adding another day to the schedule and, and making – if so if you play on Wednesday, you might not play again until Friday, and you may be looking just to hang around Columbia for, for Thursday, I would think, too, right, instead of driving. Oh, oh no, no, you, you go back-to-back. You go back-to-back. Oh, you do? Okay, so it's, it's back-to-back there's, days. 
Yes, yes. You go okay. there. So yeah. So the, for example, the class five girls play on Wednesday for their semis, and then they play on uh, Thursday for their championship. Okay. And then yeah. Okay. And so then, yeah. Like, the class six, yeah. So they they go back to back. No, they, I was going to go. They didn't, uh, you're running my conspiracy theory, Parker, because I was thinking they were, you know, part of their bid was, hey, we'll bring more money and we'll just stretch this sucker out to, you know, a, an extra day in between and stuff. So thanks a lot, Parker. Now, <laughs> now if, you rem- if you remember the last time it was in Columbia, before it came to Springfield, they did every semifinal on Thursday, every third-place game on Friday, and every championship on Saturday. That's right. So you did have that ex- – you had that extra day where people had to, like, hang around, and then when it moved down here, they moved off of that. Yeah, and of course Columbia is uh, very beautiful this time of year, so why not spend an extra day if you get a chance up there? Uh, yeah, um, let's go to the the large schools again. Wrapping up uh, the regular seasons this week, uh, are all the big conference races decided already? Uh, actually, no. Um, Thursday over at Kickapoo, um, you've got a true conference championship game: Rolla versus Kickapoo girls basketball, two high level state ranked teams. Um, it is going to be an absolute classic. So um, if you're not going to a district semifinal somewhere, um, that is a game to get out and uh, go watch because it's going to be just a incredible matchup between a one-loss Kickapoo team and a two-loss Rolla team that have both been high-level state-ranked all year. Uh, I believe the Knicks of boys, if they win tonight, will clinch a share. And then to they play Ozark on Friday to try to win it outright. Republic girls. Uh, will try to clinch an outright undefeated against Carl Junction on Thursday. And then Rollins Central played a two-overtime, double-overtime classic. It's like 104 to 102 on the boys' side. And I believe that's going to make it a three-way split between Rollins, Kickapoo, and Central for the final Ozark Conference boys' title. And I know that the the district, uh, the Class 6 seating is Thursday, I believe, on the boys' side. Have the girls determined theirs yet or not? Uh, for class five, we have determined class six. Uh, I don't believe it has. Uh, I haven't I haven't seen one post yet. Um, but uh, yeah, the for class classes five and I think class four were were seated out. Now, are they are the districts at the same school again, or have they split uh, split sides again like some did last year? Uh, both both class uh, both class six districts are at Glendale, and both class fives are at. Um, Marshfield this year. Okay, and that, that's good. Because what were your thoughts on that with the split sites for like Class Six last year? You know, since they're on different days, it didn't bother me to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they're gonna. It, it would it would be more of an issue like for me covering it is if if one was like in Joplin and one was in Nixa, for example, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But you know, they they vote on that, and uh, this year they landed on Glendale for theirs. And uh, actually, the Carthage and Joplin, uh, at least on the uh, girls' side, have moved up to the Kansas City district. So they're not. So they got they had to go instead of coming to Springfield, they're heading all the way north to Lee Summit West. Shouldn't be much drama in that Class Six uh, Glendale district seating meeting now because it seems pretty cut and dried. Central Pooh, Nick's uh, what Republic Glendale top five. Yeah, the, that's how that's how I have it laid out. Um, and you know, there, you know, it, it's see, it's a deep district, and the, those top five are definitely, in my opinion, kind of based on results this year so far, mm-hmm. kind of what you're looking at. Yeah, and uh, on the girls' side, you know, what do you see there? I know Kickapoo has has been state ranked all year. Rolla goes a different direction, don't they? Matter of fact, aren't they? Are they five? Raw is class five, and they actually are in a different district than the Marshfield district. Okay. So, okay. 
a likely a likely quarterfinal in Class Five will be Rollo versus the winner of that Marshfield district. I think Marshfield's probably going to be the top ranked team. So do you th- um, you see the poo coming out of the the Glendale district on the girls' side, or can Glendale rise do, up on their home floor, or Republic, or twenty four and one two point loss to Battles, their only loss this year. Uh, you know, I, I like that. I like that team a lot. A lot. They played Republic in the Willard Basketball Classic and beat them 64-46, and that's going to be the COC champion and likely number two seed. Um, they haven't they haven't seen Nixa yet, so that would be that Nixa and uh, Kickapoo don't play in the regular season. At least the last couple years they haven't. And, um, but yeah, I mean Kickapoo's got to be the odds-on favorite there. What a job Leslie Hansey's done in her first head coaching year there too. I mean we had her on earlier in the year and podcast and, and kind of like the Brock Blancett story at Nick's and just need to see somebody rewarded for their patience you know and their loyalty and and Hanchi's done a great job I know the Allison Pilly girl uh or has or not Allison that's the mom I don't want to ma- give the mom credit there the Pulley girl has, has stepped up and played Michaela. really uh Michaela Pulley yeah and and played really well um she's kind of an under the radar player isn't she on the, the recruiting scene you think yeah, I, I agree. Uh, that team is just so deep, uh, and they play together so well. I, I came away from the pink and white very, very impressed with them, especially especially with that win over Northside by 10 points. I mean, that is a, that's when you really knew kind of what this team was, what it was capable of, because Forsmouth Northside, as we know, is just always this incredible class of Arkansas kind of team, and now Kickapoo's kind of got to set their sights on a, a deep playoff run, and you know you'll have Incarnate Word standing in the way. Incarnate Word recently broke Strafford's win streak for uh, they got their 125th or but whatever. But did they really? They, yeah, so Incarnate <laughs> Word has broke that streak. Yeah, and now is the all-time leader. So that's that's who would be standing in their way um, of the classics title. And Coach Hanchi's first year as the head coach. Um, and Glendale, Matt Powell's done another good job with that squad. Can they rise up and maybe surprise some people? You got Jenny Talbert down at Nixa's done it. Kept that program rolling right along. It's going to be a fun district, isn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. The I, you've got again, kind of like on the boys' side, you've got just the semifinals are just going to be absolute battles um, and a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Kickapoo and Glendale's regular season game was fifty nine forty four in favor of Kickapoo. Uh, you you got to think that that's probably Glendale's probably going to be um, in that three four seed range. Um, it, it, it's an interesting it's going to be an interesting argument um because republic's probably the clear number two in that district with wins over nixa and over glendale but nixa doesn't have a lot of the same data points nixa and glendale didn't play each other so it'll be a interesting argument to see how how that lands for who gets the three and who gets the four which is obviously a pretty massive deal because uh it's different between a one side of the bracket versus the other who do you see in that boys' final there? I, I mean, is it Central Poo? Is it Central Nixa? Is it somebody knocks off Central? What What do you see? Uh, boys' final, I I see Central, and then I was at if you kick a poo Nixa game in the regular season. Uh, I think that's your semifinal, and it's going to be whoever comes to play on that given night. Uh, to be honest with you, the, it was a one point game. Reese Kimry hit a shot at the buzzer to give Kickapoo the win over Nixa. Um, that was back in December, early December before the blue and gold. you got two different teams now. I mean, the same players, but, you know, those, uh, Reese Kimry was a true sophomore then. By now, you know, he's playing like a junior kind of thing. So it's a, 
Uh, and same with McKnight. He's got a for uh, Nixa. He's he hasn't he's never played like a freshman, but now he's really got the varsity experience. So it'll. I'm not picking because it, it's a toss up. That's yeah. all there's to it. And he plays so hard. The McKnight kid does. I mean, he doesn't play at all like a, you know. You think a freshman would take a little time to get their feet wet and be aggressive. He from the get go that that was his style was sticking his nose wherever it needed to go there to get a rebound or. Or driving traffic there too. That Knicks a Kickapoo game, I was there as well. That was cable gate. That was where the three pointer hit the cable, and none of the officials saw it. I don't know if you were still there at that point or not, but uh, th- three pointer bounced up and fell through, and and uh, it was counted, and that kind of sparked the rally and big shot at the end. You know, Kickapoo uh, caught Nixon napping a little bit late and came back and, and got the victory. It was a fun game. Oh, it was great. Yeah, I was I was there for the whole I was there for the whole game on that when I wrote the story on it. And yeah, sure enough, uh, when uh, when that went up, I was in my camera taking a photo. But then I pulled out of the camera and everybody's pointing up, and I have to lean over to a uh, guy I was sitting next to you and ask him, "Hey, what's uh, what, what just happened there?" I was in my camera. And, yep, sure enough. Yeah, wire. And, and you know what? Human error. It happens, just like scoreboard yeah. stuff. It happens. So you move on. Um, District at Marshall, Class Five. Katie Pritchard uh, has done a great job with this uh, Lady Jays team. To, are they the favorite on their home court? I absolutely think so. Uh, you know, Lauren Lubert has been, in my opinion, one of the more underrated basketball players in the area. Um, two-time reigning Big 8 East Player of the Year, one of the sophomore and junior. Um, and so and now she she's really shining again in her senior year and just an incredible leader. Uh, the two seed in that district, the, the seedings are out there. Marshall's the one. West Plains is the two. West Plains doesn't have a ton of depth, but between Olivia Lawson and uh, uh, Joyner, they uh, they have an absolute uh, incredible top two that can, can drag them to victory. It's the two players that have seen Final Four, seen the state title, um, so that that seems like the most likely championship game there in Marshfield, Marshfield having the home court advantage. What about the boys' side? Is that kind of a, a toss-up, kind of a free-for-all jumble of, of teams that could win that? Oh, I, I honestly think it's two teams. Parkview's the one seed, Rawls is the two seed. Uh, Parkview obviously has all the talent in the world uh, to uh, – I mean, they got that one seed over Rolla, uh because they beat them 52-37, but then Rolla – beat Central, who beat Parkview, which we can go circles all day on this. Um, so I wouldn't say it's a free-for-odds. In my opinion, it's probably those two teams, Parkview Rolla as the one-twos who have proven to kind of separate from the pack a bit with I mean, what they've done this year. Is that one of those where Rolla's teams are going to different districts? Well, Rolla comes down here. Uh, to, so the Rolla girls go to a different district. The Rolla boys come to Marshfield. And why, why is so, that? How does that happen? Uh, it's be- uh, because first of all, the championship factor. Um, so they keep a cert- they keep a class six stays at eight eighteen districts. Okay. So you start there with your biggest sixty four enrollments, including championship factor, and work your way down. The other the other factor you have here is, and the big reason I that I believe they did it, it devo- separated the two districts or uh, sports as boys and girls, and seen them as separate and not similar. I mean, because we don't look at we don't have the girls soccer girls in the spring district based off what the soccer boys do in the fall. So it made sense from that that standpoint. But the class one girls, you always had a district in class one girls that only had two teams. Um, it was that class one district one always had two teams because all the other the corresponding boys district those schools didn't have girls or girls teams. 
So you also have more girls' teams pulled down into Class 1, so it separates things out a bit. But the championship factor is probably the thing that pushes teams off the line the most um, when teams have to move up. My head hurts from that, Parker. Thanks. It's better than Misha probably would have explained it to me, though, so I appreciate that. Uh, lastly, Class 4, um, kind of our uh, one of our lighter classes in terms of state rankings. Um, Rogersville has been ranked on the boys' side, Aurora on the girls' What are some districts you're watching there in Class 4? Raj got the number one seed. Um, they're 22-3. and three. The number two seed in their district is Mountain Grove on the boys' side. This is the number two seed. In Mount, the Rogersville boys are the 22-3. and three. Nobody else is over 500 in that district. Okay. Um, so they're the heavy favorite there. Um, Seneca boys are 16-8, and eight, and Aurora boys are 14-11. at the top two seeds in the district. And then... Coach Osborne out there has Catholic at 19-5 and uh, sitting at number one in their district with Stratford at the two, uh, but also hanging out there in their pod, which is the the sectional matchup for Catholic, for the winner of the Catholic district, will face Father Tolton, who has Aaron Rowe, who was at um, Link. Link Academy, yeah. and now he's come back home to Father Tolton. And uh, so you're, you're going to have a really high-level uh, team that you've got to contend with there. Uh, and then on the girls' side, uh, I think we have a pretty good shot uh, of advancing to a Final Four um, in the area with uh, Aurora having an incredible, an incredible year. They are 22-3, and three, so they're kind of out there um, just west of town and uh, just going about their business. 22-3, um, and three, incredible record this year, uh, and they will, uh, they'll be one to contend with. And then the other district is out there in Mountain Grove. Um, but I like I like Aurora a lot to uh, kind of make a run towards that Final Four. So I do this every year uh, or every time I have you on. Uh, you're predicted state champions in basketball. Uh, tell me how many we have and who are they? Uh, in the small classes, I think we get I think we get three in the small classes, and in the big classes, probably. And I, I think we can get one in the. I think one in the big class is, is realistic. Maybe two if uh, Kickapoo can slay the incarnate word uh, giant. Yeah, and I know your thoughts probably on that record being broken. Uh, uh, you know, locally and publicly. I mean, Stratford really didn't have the record broken because it's a town team and and a public school. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, it's always viewed differently, uh, and so I mean, there's everybody. Everybody has very strong opinions about it. I mean, I'll always have that Stratford team. That Stratford team was very special. And uh, I'll say this as an aside. Uh, uh, coming up here, Haley Frank is about to finish up her career at Mizzou. And, gosh, it, she came into Stratford with every expectation, every expectation possible, lived up to all of them, and then committed to Mizzou, stayed at Mizzou for five years, and is going to walk away with top ten records at Mizzou in, in a ton of categories. I, she is. She's had a really great run here and it's been fun to follow her career and can't can't wait to see what's next for her and an even better human being than she is a basketball player too you know i, I know that uh, it's been kind of a rough year for them uh, up in columbia on the women's side and but she stuck around and, and did it and and uh, more power to her there i know you'll catch your breath and spring sports are, are around the corner uh, of course there'll be the jackson cantwell watch on uh, state discus and, and shot put what he can do there Baseball-wise, is this a good year for the Ozarks from what you've been able to tell from the previews? Yeah, I, I think so. I, you know, with the, the expanding out to the sixth class has really kind of allowed some of our – it has allowed the bigger schools to 
you know, have more of a chance at the Final Four. We don't, when it was Class 5, all of our top programs were in the same district, so they were eliminating each other. But the extra the extra class has really allowed some of our bigger programs to thrive. And uh, I'll say this, if you've never watched Jackson Cantwell throw, go do it. Um, you won't regret it. It's it's something special to, and you know, his shot put, he throws it out of the ring, bounces it out of the ring, uh, but discus. An elite discus thrower is incredible to watch because they throw the discus where they don't think the discus, when they built the ring, it shouldn't have gone. Like over here at Ozark, the discus ring um, backs up to some rocks. And, it, you know, it's way out there. It's 180, 190 feet. Well, it's over, honestly over 200 feet. But Jackson was out there almost bouncing it into these rocks. You never would have thought that a discus could go that far. And it's, it's an impressive thing to watch. So I highly recommend just go watch them throw once if you haven't seen them before. And, and make sure you know where you're standing too, right? Or else there'll be a, an unexpected injury in the crowd from a, a yeah. shot put can't feel good. Neither can a discus either for that matter. But uh, um, be careful where you where you watch from. So Chris Parker, as always, we appreciate uh, your knowledge and, and your uh, willingness to share it with us and, and uh, have a good postseason run yourself here, okay? Uh, thank you. Looking forward to it. You betcha. Chris Parker, the Ozark Sports Zone, the Ozone, as always, in-depth with our previews for the state uh, playoffs coming up in basketball and wrestling this week. As always, we wrap up uh, this week's pod with uh, Scott's thoughts, my ramblings and musings about various things in the world of sports, local, regional, and national. We'll start with a national note. Uh, I don't know if any of you saw because most of you don't really care, and that would include me, but the... Uh, NBA All-Star Game was held uh, Sunday night in Indianapolis. Uh, the only part I watch anymore is the introductions because I, you know, I've got to use it as a primer to see who's actually an All-Star anymore because I don't recognize ninety percent of the uh, the people who make it there. I, I do recognize LeBron James and and uh, the Joker and people like that, but um, this was a, a group of young guys. And again, even with the younger guys and new faces, there was absolutely no defense played. The Eastern Conference wins 211 to 186, 211 points in an All-Star game, an NBA All-Star record. Not one they're very proud of because I know that their commission uh, had promised a better effort defensively, and they did not get it. So I don't know what you do. There's several suggestions about making it a, a pay-for-play thing where there's a bonus for the winning team, so maybe they guard. I think it'd be cool with uh, <clears throat> you find the recent uh, retirees that are that are legends and maybe play a Legends game for those who are still in shape and can do it against current All-Stars because I know that the current All-Stars would not want to be embarrassed by uh, the Legends in that kind of situation. So maybe you might see a little different effort in that case. But, you know, it, it's one of the harder All-Star games to, to have any kind of effort in because it's midseason. Guys don't want to get hurt. I get that. By the same token, it's doing nobody any good really to have a 211-point effort there. So NBA will, will continue to try to find uh, ways to – make that uh, at least watchable and because they did not uh, this time so we'll see only one other scott's thought and it's kind of a long one but uh, big breaking news uh, this week earlier in the week was the announcement that uh, mizzou's uh, director of athletics desiree reed francois was leaving to take the uh, ad job at arizona and of course your immediate reaction is huh that's a step down in terms of quality of, of conference from the SEC to the Big 12. She's taken a $200,000 pay cut to drop down. And it's an athletic uh, program at Arizona and a school, for that matter, that is deeply in debt. And uh, financial ruin has been used a few times with uh, 
description of what's going on at Arizona. So, so why? I guess that's the first question everybody would ask. Seen a lot of speculation. Um, it sounds like, you know, and, and when you look at what Mizzou's done un, under uh, Francois, you know, uh, records for uh, fundraising for athletics, you know, facility improvements, uh, the football program, Eli Drinkowitz has got it going in the right direction, obviously. Uh, Mizzou's found their niche in the NIL world and have really uh, grabbed onto that with her uh, her leadership. Um, so a lot of things there you're kind of like, why now? You know, surely she doesn't think her work is done at a point where, you know, it's time to start enjoying some of the fruits of those labors and the early struggles. A lot of things pointing toward the Mizzou Board of Curators that uh, maybe they're too, uh, a little too involved with decision-making on the uh, Mizzou campus and uh, wield their power a little bit more than uh, their AD would like. There was a formation of a, um, a new task force uh, to monitor Mizzou athletic activities here just a couple weeks ago, and all indications are that might have been the final straw. Uh, with the AD and that she said, I'm out, I'm going to go somewhere where I can actually run the department. And the creation of that task force was to oversee athletic activities. That's her job. And so now you've got board people saying, we're going to do that as well. You kind of wonder maybe with all the NIL stuff with Mizzou, if maybe there's a little bit of an NCAA problem forthcoming. Uh, The NCAA, even though they do literally nothing anymore to police any of the NIL stuff, have said that they're, uh, the word is out that there's 15 to 20 schools that are under some pretty heavy scrutiny for their NIL activities and using money as an inducement to come to the schools, which is basically what all of them are doing now, but uh, they're going to point out a few. So this could get juicy. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens. Of course, maybe she didn't want to make less than Williams uh, Winery is coming in as a freshman high school football player. We we kid on that. But uh should be interesting to see what happens uh, going forward with the Mizzou AD situation and their search for a replacement. As always, we thank you for listening. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Around the Ozark Sports Scene. We'll see you next week. 